Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, good morning, Crossview. It is so good to be here with you this morning. Hard to believe we're already approaching the end of January. Uh, you know, throughout this month, we have been having a conversation about rhythms of grace, those practices that ground us and nourish us in our relationship with God. These practices are foundational to our spiritual life. They allow us to dwell in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the more we do so, the better we learn to recognize and respond to God's voice, to rest in his faithfulness, to walk in the freedom of his ways, and to see his image in those around us. And when we are grounded in God's presence in this way, then we'll be like the tree in Psalm 1 that Pastor Kyle talked about last week, a tree planted by streams of water. We'll be deeply rooted and will bear an abundance of good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Doesn't that sound wonderful? I don't know about you, but I want to live a life marked by this fruit, a life lived in the abundance of Jesus's peace and joy and gentleness and so on. That's the prosperity that Psalm 1 promises, the fruit that comes from a life lived in the presence of God. And these rhythms that we're talking about this month, these are nourishing rhythms that we can practice that will cultivate that kind of life. We've talked about the rhythm of prayer and the rhythm of engaging scripture. And this week, we're going to talk about the rhythm of Sabbath. Sabbath is a spiritual practice of rest. In practicing Sabbath, we rest from work and we rest in the presence of God. The word Sabbath means to rest from labor. And we see that practice established by God from the very beginning in the creation story in the book of Genesis. Later, we see that God established Sabbath as a practice for his people. It was included in the law of Moses given to the Israelites after they fled the tyranny in Egypt. Sabbath has been an important rhythm in the life of God's people from the very beginning, and it's still an important rhythm today. In the practice of Sabbath, we rest from our work. We quite literally just stop working. Sabbath removes us from schedules and to-do lists and productivity and accomplishment. It's a time to rest from work. But it's more than that. Sabbath gives us the opportunity to rest from work, but also the opportunity to rest in Jesus. In Sabbath, we are invited to let go of the duties and responsibilities that keep us busy and to step into a place where our one and only focus is to delight in the presence of God. Sabbath rest is a gift from God. God has always offered his people rest as an avenue of joy and peace, as well as a time of healing and renewal. Without regular rest, our bodies and minds and spirits inevitably become exhausted, even to the point of believing that we just don't have the strength or the purpose to carry on. None of us are immune to this. Take, for example, the prophet Elijah. Now, you may be familiar with Elijah. He was a man of God whose life was marked by faith and courage. 
And in his obedience, he bore witness to miracles that showed God's compassion, holiness, and sovereignty. He was hated by those who held corrupt power, a reality he shares with many other prophetic voices throughout history. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, we find an amazing story about Elijah, where he boldly speaks truth to power by confronting a corrupt king, Ahab, and then challenges the prophets of the false god, Baal. Well, during the challenge, Elijah cried out to God and God responded by sending fire from heaven to show the people that he alone was the true God and the prophets of Baal were defeated. By all counts, this was a significant victory. It resulted in the fall of the false prophets who were pulling the Israelites away from God and it also resulted in the end of a famine that was threatening the nation. You'd think that Elijah would have reveled in this success, but that's not what he did. Let's look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, beginning in verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel, who was the queen, all that Elijah had done, how he had killed all Baal's prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah with this message. May the gods do whatever they want to me, if by this time tomorrow I haven't made your life like one of them. Elijah was terrified. He got up and ran for his life. He arrived at Beersheba in Judah and left his assistant there. He himself went farther on into the desert a day's journey. He finally sat down under a solitary broom bush. He longed for his own death. It's more than enough, Lord. Take my life because I'm no better than my ancestors. He lay down and slept under the solitary broom bush. Elijah was giving up. Jezebel's threat to him was meant to tell him that he'd better get out of town. Now, Elijah had been in danger before, but this was different. One commentator pointed out that Elijah took Jezebel's threat to mean the end of his ministry. Even after this tremendous victory that God had given him in defeating the prophets of Baal, he had reached a point of exhaustion and despair. So when Jezebel told him to get out or else, he took her seriously. But he didn't just leave the area where he was in danger. Notice that the scripture tells us that Elijah ran for his life and when he reached Beersheba in Judah, he left his assistant there and then he himself kept going. Well, Beersheba was in the southernmost part of Judah, the limit to the land given by God to his people. So by leaving his assistant there and continuing on for another day by himself, Elijah was literally walking away from the kingdom and the promises of God. He walked alone for a day and then finally he collapsed in the desert and said, I'm done, that's it. I'm so tired and I'm so desperate. I'm as good as dead. And he begged the Lord to just let him die. He simply couldn't go on. And in that state of utter exhaustion, he fell asleep. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever reached a point of such pain or desperation that you just didn't know how you were going to keep going? Where all you could do is just collapse in exhaustion? I know I have, and it feels awful to be so exhausted physically and spiritually and emotionally that we just want to give up. Give up on a vision or a person, a dream, a calling. 
Maybe you've been in a place where you've wanted to give up on the church or on your faith. Maybe you've been in a place where you've thought about giving up on life itself. Maybe you find yourself in a place like that now. That's where Elijah was. He was exhausted, hurting, and desperate. He was willing to walk away from his people, his calling, and his very life in order to escape. And he even asked God to provide that escape for him. Listen to what happened. Then suddenly a messenger tapped Elijah and said to him, Get up, eat something. Elijah opened his eyes and saw flatbread baked on glowing coals and a jar of water right by his head. He ate and drank and then went back to sleep. The Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him. Get up, the messenger said. Eat something because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Elijah got up, ate and drank, and went refreshed by that food for 40 days and nights until he arrived at Horeb, God's mountain. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Here we see God's gentle and compassionate love for Elijah. Elijah woke up to find a messenger of the Lord, really an ambassador sent to represent God himself, and that messenger had prepared a meal for Elijah. So Elijah ate and drank, and then he went back to sleep. And again, the messenger returned and fed him. And that food and rest refreshed Elijah so profoundly that he got up and traveled for 40 days until he reached the mountain of the Lord. His hope, his strength, and his purpose were all restored through the rest and nourishment provided by the Lord. Isn't that just profound? We see that, that rest here is life-giving, physical rest and spiritual rest. It's restorative and healing, and it reminds us that God is the giver of life and the source of all strength and purpose. We all need rest, regular, deep, healing rest. Our bodies need it and our spirits need it. And the rhythm of Sabbath provides that rest for us. Sabbath is a way for us to recognize who we truly are in Christ. It's an intentional act of laying down any tendency that we have to find our identity or our worth in what we do, in our productivity, in our accomplishments, in the service that we offer to others in any sort of quantitative measure. Sabbath allows us to put all of that aside for a time and to dwell, to abide in God, to rest in the truth that our truest identity and worth is found in Jesus. Years ago, I read a book by a woman who had converted from Judaism to Christianity, and in it, she uh, contrasted some of the traditions and practices of the two religions. And since Judaism and Christianity share a common history in Abraham and the story of Israel found in the Old Testament, they also have some common traditions and practices. And one of those is the practice of Sabbath keeping. But the author shared that as a Christian convert, uh, she missed the Jewish practice of Sabbath, or Shabbat, as it's called in that tradition. In the Jewish tradition, the Sabbath is a day of delight. It's a day to rest and play, to eat good food and share in good conversations. It's a day to enjoy the outdoors and to welcome friends, to worship and to laugh. And there are candles and prayers and songs and naps. 
It's a day of physical, mental, and spiritual rest and renewal and delight. If that sounds too good to be true to you, that's probably because we haven't really done a great job of understanding or of practicing Sabbath in our modern Christian culture. For many Christians, the understanding of Sabbath has been whittled down to going to church on Sunday. But God gave us the Sabbath, not as an item on a how to be a good Christian checklist, but as a gift, as a gracious and kind gift just for us to enjoy. He gave us the Sabbath as a day set aside to enjoy him. Isn't that just like God? To give a gift so extravagantly loving as a day of delight? Well, when we start to talk about practicing Sabbath rest, it's our tendency to want to figure out exactly how we're supposed to do it. We want to get it right, right? So we start asking questions. Does our Sabbath have to be on a particular day? Does it have to be 24 hours? What am I allowed to do on the Sabbath? What am I not allowed to do? Does it have to happen every week? What if I miss a week? And so on. And I can appreciate the desire to get it right, the desire to practice Sabbath with excellence. But let's remember that Sabbath is a gift from God, a gift meant to be a joy and a delight. It was never meant to be a task or a religious duty. Jesus addressed this in Mark chapter 2, uh, verses 23 to 27, which says this. Jesus went through the wheat fields on the Sabbath. As the disciples made their way, they were picking the heads of wheat. The Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the Sabbath law? He said to them, Haven't you ever read what David did when he was in need, when he was hungry and those with him were hungry? During the time when Abiathar was high priest, David went into God's house and ate the bread of the presence, which only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave bread to those who were with him. Then he said, The Sabbath was created for humans. Humans weren't created for the Sabbath. This is why the human one is Lord even over the Sabbath, meaning that he was Lord over the Sabbath. See, the Pharisees were a religious sect that devoted themselves strictly uh, to following the Jewish religious law down to the letter. They were known for being sanctimonious and for taking great pride in their legalism and for looking down on others. So when they saw Jesus' disciples picking wheat to eat on the Sabbath, they were more than happy to point out that doing so was against the rules. But Jesus responded in wisdom and grace when he reminded them that the people weren't made for the sake of the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for the sake of the people. Because the precepts of God are never meant as a legalistic or arbitrary list of rules to follow. They are always meant to offer grace and freedom by helping us to reflect the image and character of Jesus. So what does Sabbath look like? What does a time of rest and delight look like? Well, it will probably look different for everyone, but there are some really helpful guidelines that we can use to shape our Sabbath into a healing and restorative time. Let's consider just a few of them. First, uh, we can limit our screen time. Put the phone away, stay off social media, 
don't read the news, turn off the Xbox. And it's not that any of those activities are wrong, not at all. Digital technology is a significant part of our world today and is probably a significant part of your daily life. Some of it may be fun, maybe a pastime that we enjoy, but it's unlikely that it's restorative. And it's unlikely that we find ourselves delighting in God while consuming most forms of digital technology. So for a rest that is spiritual as well as physical, we would do well to mostly turn off the devices. We can also limit consumerism. Shopping, browsing, building our Amazon wish lists. Again, these things can be fun, but they do nothing to bring rest and delight to our spirits. Consumerism is about bringing more things into our lives, things, whereas Sabbath is about releasing our grip on things so we can rest unencumbered, freely and lightly in the presence of God. So if we're not watching screens and we're not buying or looking for stuff, what do we do? Well, remember the heart of Sabbath is to release work and productivity and to receive rest and delight. So as we think about what to include in a time of Sabbath rest, let's think about what it is that delights and renews us. This may take some time for us to discover. For many of us, it may be true that we've been so caught up in our work and productivity, in the responsibilities of family and community life, that we've lost sight of the things that really nourish our souls. The busier and the more distracted we are by the noise around us, the more our own spirit, our reflection of the image of God, is lost to us. We may need to rest deeply to try different things before we can really recognize what is truly restful to our bodies and souls. But there are some things that will bring healthy Sabbath rest no matter who we are, no matter what our personality is. The first is worship. We were made to worship. In worshiping God, we declare that our lives and hearts belong to something greater than our own work, our own worries, our own ambitions and desires. In worship, we humbly and gratefully find that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We are in the kingdom of God. We are Jesus' church. Worship is an important part of Sabbath rest. Another healthy component of Sabbath is community. We were made for community. In the Jewish tradition, Sabbath is a wonderful day of shared meals and prayers and conversation. There's laughter and love and togetherness. Sharing a day of rest with those you love is a rich and beautiful practice. Now, you may notice that in the story of Elijah that we heard just a few minutes ago, Elijah was alone except for the Lord's messenger. There are times in our lives when we need to rest alone with the Lord. There are times when we're so frazzled or so exhausted that we just desperately need time alone with Jesus. That's okay. Take that time when you need it and provide opportunity for others in your care to do the same. In fact, God has given us another rhythm for our lives that can help to meet this need and we'll hear more about that next week. But a regular practice of Sabbath built into the rhythm of our life will usually include those we love. And one more element of a healthy Sabbath, no matter who you are, is, of course, rest. 
actual physical rest, sleep. And then if you need to, sleep some more, take a nap, take a slow walk, sit and watch a campfire, close your eyes and listen to an entire album. Let the gentle pace of the day infuse your worship with gratitude for God's good gifts. Many of us in our culture are chronically tired, but our generous and loving God has given us the gift of Sabbath rest, rest from our work and rest in him. We've put together uh, some resources for you to learn more about Sabbath rest and to help you make a plan for incorporating this rhythm into your life. And I encourage you to check those out on our website, mycrossview.com. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're so grateful for this generous and gracious gift that you have given us in Sabbath rest, that you have established a rhythm, established a practice for the purpose of bringing rest and renewal and delight into our lives, uh, just demonstrates for us your love and your kindness. Lord, in this world uh, where there is hardship, where there are burdens, where there are responsibilities that are difficult, in this world where we are tired, we're so grateful for the opportunity to rest in you and for this rhythm. Lord, we recognize that there are those here with us this morning who are in a place of extreme exhaustion, who are in a place of despair, who might be in a place of, of, uh, of giving up on something, giving up on, on, on a dream or on something you've called them to, on uh, an effort, on a, a person. Lord, we bring these beloved people before you and pray that you would restore them that you would, uh, in your mercy, just minister to them in the same way that you did to the prophet Elijah, bring them nourishment, encouragement, and restore their hope and their strength and their purpose. We know those things are found in you alone. And Lord, we pray for, uh, for the renewal of those who are experiencing exhaustion. Thank you, Lord, for this tremendous gift. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to worship together. <laughs> 